are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Lockdown Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you, the listener, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. But what are we discussing on today's pod? Well, I got a jam-packed pod as always. I want to start off segment number one by discussing, should Nick Ahmed be traded? I saw this idea floated on MLB trade rumors, so we're going to be discussing that and breaking it down. Our friend, Locked on Brewers host, Jake Mastriani, had this topic on his pod the other day. Should the Brewers swap Marcel Azuna, or I think it was the Braves, should the Braves swap Marcel Azuna for Madison Bumgarner. We'll discuss that trade possibility on today's pod as well. And then we're going to wrap up the pod with a discussion I've been seeing on D-backs Twitter this past week. And it's basically talking about who's the best Diamondbacks lifer, the player that started their career with the D-backs from start to finish that you think of. Who's the first player, the best player that you think of in those qualifying uh, terms. And the obvious answer, I think there's one obvious answer, but when you look at the best players who started and finished their career in Arizona... The list is not very long, so we're going to be discussing lifers in AZ, the best of them, and why aren't there more? So we got a whole bunch I want to talk to you guys about on today's pod, so let's jump right into it. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Lockdown Dieback still here. And let's first start with segment one, segment number one and discuss should Nick Ahmed be traded? And this is an idea floated on MLB trade rumors because it's a good question to ask. Nick Ahmed is someone who only has two years left on his deal, owed about $18 million in the next two off seasons. And the D-backs are a team that's in a weird place. Like, we don't know. This team is rebuilding, retooling. I think it kind of depends how this team plays on the field next season. That will determine the trajectory of this franchise. But right now, Nick Ahmed, whether this team is rebuilding or retooling, you can make the argument that Nick Ahmed should still be traded because this is someone that's on a very affordable contract. Like I said, $18 million total the next two off seasons, and he's not very old, going to be 32 years old, so he's still, you know, in the prime of his career. And right now, I just don't know how he really helps his D-backs team, whether they're rebuilding or retooling. Just put that question aside. How does he help this D-backs team? I just feel like he offers more value to another squad. On this D-backs team, the only thing he really offers is defense. I'm not sure... 
Like, I'm sure he's a great locker room, high character guy, but I don't think he's making waves or impact with intangibles on these younger players. So really, if he's going to continue to be an offensive liability on a team that can't really hit anyway and is already bad at defense, like if this D-back squad is already bad at defense and Nick Ahmed is a good defensive player but not really raising the floor that much and he's bringing the ceiling down of the offense, then why should we keep this guy? I would rather put an offensive threat in my lineup to at least ease the pressure on the younger players. Someone like a Perdomo would probably give similar production to the D-backs anyway as a Nick Ahmed would uh, give the D-backs similar production. Uh, uh, excuse me. Perdomo would give the D-backs similar production as Nick Ahmed gave production to the D-backs. That's what I want to say. I, I Basically, bottom line, I think Perdomo and Nick Ahmed offensively, defensively could give you the pretty much the same impact because when you look at Nick Ahmed's career, it's not like Nick Ahmed has ever been a great offensive player or anyone that's really made an impact in your lineup. Like for his career, Nick Ahmed is a 236 hitter, 671 OPS, and a WRC plus at 76. So for his career, he's basically an offensive liability. Even that 2019 season, which is like the only year we have to look at for Nick Ahmed, which he was probably an above average everyday major leaguer from an offensive standpoint. That's pretty much the only time, 2019, where he was like, what, 260 hitter, 19 home runs, 80 RBIs. Like, it was a nice season from Nick Ahmed, but it wasn't anything crazy. That's why I'm like, Perdomo could give me the same things. I'm pretty sure Perdomo could be a 250 hitter with a 700 OPS. Maybe he steals me 15 stolen bases. Like, he's a pretty good defensive shortstop as well. So I'm ready to go in the Perdomo route if that's what it takes or if that's the only route that's available after trading Nick Ahmed. I wouldn't be mad with Perdomo because at least with him, we can fantasize about potential ceiling that may never be there. But with Nick Ahmed, we know what he is at this point. He's an offensive liability. So I really don't think he's helping the D-backs a lot in that standpoint. Unless you want this D-backs team just to full out tank in 2022, then maybe you actually believe Nick Ahmed would be better for this team than anywhere else. Because I still think, even though he struggles offensively, his contract and his defense, I think, still makes him someone that other teams would target, especially if you think you can make and win the World Series. Because you just look at a team last year like the Red Sox. Like, the Red Sox were a pretty good team. They definitely had some flaws on their roster. And they needed someone like Jose Iglesias, who, for his career, has basically been Nick Ahmed. An offensive liability, but a defensive wizard. And they really needed Iglesias toward the end of the season, so... Excuse me, I definitely believe there could be another contender out there that's like, hey, let me go find me my Iglesias, just a defensive shortstop or a defensive infielder that could just plug up a flaw that I might have come the postseason. So I think Nick Ahmed could definitely help a World Series contender as we get closer to the playoffs. And also with Nick Ahmed, maybe if the D-backs are willing to trade him, maybe he could be a part of a package in a Ketel Marte trade as a sweetener. Again, I don't want to trade Ketel Marte, but if if we do trade Ketel Marte, maybe you could throw Nick Ahmed in there as a little sweetener for the other team if they need a defensive shortstop. And then maybe you could get an extra young piece back or two in a, in a trade like that with a Ketel Marte and Nick Ahmed. So I, I would be curious to see what that would look like, what kind of package that would look like, because again... Ketel Marte is like making 10 million. Nick Ahmed's on like a $7 million deal. Like 
Those two packaged together is still not very expensive and can help out a World Series contender, especially if they're getting Ketel Marte in the deal. And there has been some teams, according to MLB trade rumors, that could be interested in bringing in a guy like Nick Ahmed. MLB trade rumors has the Yankees, the Astros, the Cubs, and the Phillies listed as potential suitors for Nick Ahmed. And we already did a pod last week discussing uh, the framework of a trade for Ketel Marte to the Yankees. So, If you take that framework that I had on the pod last week, go check it out, and then add a Nick Ahmed into the deal, maybe the Yankees could give us back another young piece if they don't believe a Gleyber Torres is actually the guy that we thought he was when he broke into baseball. So personally, I would move. uh, I would personally, I would move Nick Ahmed, but I don't think it has to be this offseason. I don't think it has to be after the lockout. Maybe at the trade deadline, I think that's probably the best case scenario for trading Nick Ahmed is probably at the deadline. I think it's easier to do. Plus, yeah, I, I always kind of want to see what my player, uh, how my player performed before trading him because I don't think Ahmed's value could really get any lower unless he has some catastrophic injury or he starts a season 0 for 100. Like, I think everyone kind of knows what Nick Ahmed is at this point. So, I'm willing to trade Nick Ahmed, but it doesn't have to be in the offseason. I'm willing to wait at the deadline. And then once the D-backs move him, let's promote Perdomo and just see what the guy has. Because basically, I think the D-backs are just going to have to bridge players together at shortstop until they get Jordan Lawler developed and on the major league level. I don't think they're really trying to go fully into another shortstop until Jordan Lawler is ready, unless they luck into someone, which I don't really expect to happen. So I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Ahmed gets traded. And if he doesn't, then maybe he's the bridge guy until we see Jordan Lawler on the MLB level. But at this point of Nick Ahmed's career, I'm not afraid to go in a different direction, try to get a piece back and go in the Perdomo route just because he's young and he can at least give me the same production of a Nick Ahmed. Now we'll discuss the Madison Bumgarner to the Atlanta Braves for Marcel Ozuna in segment number two today. But before we get there, I first want to tell you guys about Built Bar because this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, Built Bar is absolutely delicious. Covered in 100% real chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. Just go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's <clears throat> and let's discuss a potential Madison Bumgarner for Marcel Azuna trade because this is something that was brought up to me by Locked On Brewers host Jake Mastriani. He did this topic on his pod the other day, so go check out Jake's podcast where he detailed should the Braves pull the trigger on Ozuna for Bumgarner deal? And before we talk about this, I, of course, want to say I don't support any of the allegations against Marcel Ozuna if those turn out to be true. Like, obviously, I don't want that kind of character, I should say, on my team. But if we're just talking about the value of the player and the on-field stuff that you could 
provide for the D-backs. Like, that's what I want to discuss right now. Of course, I don't stand for anything that might have happened with him off the field, but I just want to talk about him right now as a player and on the field stuff. So let's do that with Bumgarner and Marcelo Zuna because Bumgarner is owed $60 million over the last three years, so about $20 million a year, while Azuna's average annual salary is about $17 million a year for the next four. And if you take the off-the-field incidents aside... I would definitely do a bum garner for Urzuna trade in a heartbeat. I was telling Jake this and going back and forth with him on Twitter. Like, if that deal is available, as a D-backs fan, I'm doing it. Like, I was telling Jake, don't pull that trigger. You don't want Masson Bumgarner because, yes, he has stretches last year where he where he looked really good. Like, there was points last season where Bumgarner was actually doing some historic things. Like, if you remember, he had, like, that five-start span where he had, like, the best whip since, like, 1933. Like, Bumgarner had a few game stretches where it's like, whoa, this guy actually looks like the number one player that the D-backs actually paid for in the offseason. But if you take the whole body of work of Bumgarner the last three years, my overall verdict would be Bumgarner's kind of done. Like, this guy has looked kind of washed, like kind of cooked, and those signs were there back in San Francisco. Like, if you look at his last year with the Giants, you could already see some cracks in his armor. Ben Caspic of Lockdown Giants said if he had a sit-down meeting with Mike Hazen, he would have told him, like, there's a lot of red flags with Madison Bumgarner, and I don't think you want to give him a massive contract for the next few years. But, of course, Ben Caspic of Lockdown Giants never had that conversation with Mike Hazen. So now we have... Masson Baumgartner's albatross on a contract on the books for the next couple of years, the next three years. And I am just, am I over the Masson Baumgartner experience? Maybe, like, could he still be a pretty good pitcher for the D-backs? Maybe, like, I feel like I've been optimistic on Masson Baumgartner. But realistically, I just feel like he's done. And on a playoff contender, on a real playoff contender like the Dodgers or the Yankees or name any team, like, he's probably just a back-end starter, number four, number five. And he's really just an innings eater at this point of his career. Like, I'm not sure if this guy's even getting off the bench in a playoff series like is he starting a game in an actual playoff series for a world series contender like i don't know i don't know if you would trust a bum garner to do that so considering uh how he's looked the last couple years like i i would probably be more willing to to trade him for a guy like Marcel Azuna than maybe other play maybe other analysts or D-backs fans would because what have you seen from Bumgarner outside like five game stretches uh the last three years that show you he can be a quality pitcher. So I wouldn't mind doing that. And it's not like Bumgarner is getting any older. Like this is someone that broke into the big leagues at like age 19. He has a whole lot of miles on his arms and I just don't think I don't think he's ever going to get back to a place where he can be a really highly effective pitcher for the D-backs in, in Major League Baseball. Like, if he starts putting up all-star numbers next season, like, he's going to get a couple of PED tests. But that's where the difference is where Marcel Ozuna, because if Marcel Ozuna puts up all-star numbers next season, no one would even bat an eye. It would not be a surprise because we still consider Marcel Ozuna a pretty good player, while we might have a difference of opinion with a bum garner. And right now... When you think about the opportunity, uh, the the opportunity cost of a massive Bumgarner, does his pitching outweigh the locker room guy that Bumgarner is? Is his character and what he's doing for the young players, his leadership, is all that more important than what he's actually doing as a pitcher? Because I'm not sure about that. I think I'd rather just have a quality guy uh, in that 
rotation spot instead of Madison Bumgarner, even though he's a three-time World Series champion, is he really providing a winning environment and helping build a culture in Arizona? Like, we've been a worse team since he came to the D-backs, and that has nothing to do with him outside of production. It has nothing to do with his character. It's just the fact that this D-backs team hasn't been good, and he's been a contributing factor to why this team hasn't been good. But when you look at Marcelo Zuna, like I said, this is someone that has still been productive in recent history, as recent as last year. Yes, not 2021, but the 2020 season. And of course, it's a shortened season. It doesn't get count. It, it doesn't get counted the same way as other seasons. But he led the NL in home runs, RBIs, and total bases in 2020. OPS above 800 from 2016 to 2020. Like this is someone that's still putting up pretty good, pretty, pretty great offensive numbers like yes of course if we acquired him he would be a liability in the outfield as a defensive player but I don't care because I'm praying we get the universal DH back like I'm super hopeful and wishful that we get the universal DH back but even if we don't like the guys we're starting in the outfield right now it's not like we're starting platinum glovers out there in the outfield like David Peralta is a good player he's won a gold glove or two Dalton Varsha looks like he has a pretty high ceiling as a defensive outfielder but some of the other guys like Aketel Marte wasn't really highly graded uh well I think he was graded pretty poorly as a defensive center fielder Paven Smith the numbers are atrocious for him as an outfielder Rojas was pretty inconsistent so if we're gonna put a pretty bad defensive outfielder anyway out there like let's at least trade it off with a guy who can be one of the best sluggers maybe the second best offensive player in your lineup because it doesn't look like a Paven Smith is going to be the second best offensive player in your lineup a Marcel Azuna could definitely do that so to me the opportunity cost of his defense is worth the bat we're going to get and also he's someone that can give you same or better than Escobar level production I don't care about his defense I care about his bat for this D-backs team Bumgarner is only a year older than Azuna, but Azuna has been in the game four years left, so it feels like Azuna has a lot more left in the tank. And just looking at the numbers, it looks like Azuna has a lot more left in the tank. So if we could trade a massive Bumgarner, I wouldn't mind it. And this would, I think, further go with the point of the D-back trying to repeal, trying to retool instead of rebuild. Because I think if you trade Mass and Bumgarner for nothing, for like young pieces, or just to get the contract off your books then I think that shows you're trying to rebuild but doing a bum garner for a Zuna trade actually shows you're trying to retool I think it would make the D-backs better as well so I'm fully in support of Jake Mastriani's idea of trading bum garner for Marcelo Zuna I just don't think the D-backs are gonna get it done because I don't think the Braves want bum garner if I'm the Braves I'm not doing that deal I'd rather keep Azuna who I think is a very who I think is a way higher quality player than bum garner at this point of his career now We'll talk about why the D-backs don't have their Derek Jeter on the roster. But before we get there, I want to talk to you guys about BetOnline because BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. A new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts.
all right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast. And guys, I am sweating just a little bit. Usually, I turn my fan off, my ceiling fan, when I do these podcasts, so you don't hear the background noise. But today, I'm doing this like midday, this podcast, and the sun is like in my face. I am sweating just a little bit over here, but we're going to power through it because there has been a recent discussion going around on D-backs Twitter about who is the best D-backs player that started their fin that started their career in Arizona and finished their career in Arizona because when you think of the greatest players in D-backs history to do that the list is very small like I'll do the door of the explorer 3 second pause and give you guys a chance to think of the greatest D-backs player to start their career and finish their career in Arizona Okay, are you done? Because the answer, I'll give it to you in a second, because there's really one obvious answer. It's probably the guy you guys were thinking of, and that is Brandon Webb. He's pretty much the only guy when you think of for the D-backs as someone that started their career and finished their career in Arizona as, you know, when you when you put the qualifier, greatest D-backs player to do that, because of course, there's other teams with better players than Brandon Webb who have done that, like a Derek Jeter, a Pedroia, a Chipper Jones, a Ryan Braun, a Buster Posey. All those guys spent their career in one place. And I think there's a different feeling toward a player when you see them break into the big leagues. At least as a fan, I think there's a different feeling toward a player. When you see them break into the big leagues as a young adult, go through their struggles as a player, go through their ups and downs, and then see them retire with your squad as well. I think you just have a different feeling and love toward a player like that as a fan. And for the D-backs, the only guy who really fits that qualifier that you would consider great is a Brandon Webb. And he's someone that won a Cy Young Award, uh, came in second twice, but his career was done by the time he was 30 because of injuries. And it makes me think, like, if this guy never got injured, would he face a similar fate of a lot of other homegrown D-backs players? Like, would this guy eventually have been traded in his prime, uh, maybe the back end of his prime, and then have a second career someone else? Like, I probably think it would have happened because the D-backs probably wouldn't have wanted to give him a major or a massive contract because that's never what they do. They might re you up one time, but after that, they're not trying to pay you twice and the D-backs are probably going to move you. So it's not a, it wouldn't have been a surprise to me if Brandon Webb faced a similar fate like the only reason he played his whole career in the D-backs uniform is because of injuries and I'm not sure if the D-backs would have kept him in Arizona for the full time and when you look at the rest of the players who would qualify you know players who started and finished their career in Arizona like after Brandon Webb because I know all you guys had to say Brandon Webb that's the obvious answer now try to think of someone who started their career and finished their career in Arizona not name Brandon Webb. I'll give you another door of the Explorer. Two-second pause. Could you think of anyone? Because looking at the list, you could go on Baseball Reference and look at players who finished their career in Arizona. Because when you look at the list, I think the second-best player who started their career and finished their career in Arizona, I think it's pretty easily David Peralta. And when you think of David Peralta, you're like, He's a good player. He's a quality major leaguer. But should he be considered the second best player in a franchise's history? Probably not. At least among, you know, career guys, lifers. Probably not. The D-backs should probably have a better guy than David Peralta. And if I had to go on bet online and wager whether he retires a D-back, I'd probably bet no. I could definitely see David Peralta be traded this season at the MLB trade deadline because I think Peralta is going to be a free agent next year. So if the D-backs want to get anything back in return for Peralta, this would be the time to do it. 
And then after David Peralta, the list gets really wacky, really scary. And it's a massive drop off after David Peralta. Like next on the list, I think the third best player in the D-Max uniform would probably be Nick Ahmed. And it's crazy to say that because segment number one, we had a whole discussion about should the D-backs trade Nick Ahmed? So, of course, if I went to bet online and placed another wager, whether he finishes his career in Arizona, again, I would wager no. So, again, after Brandon Webb, the second, third best player to play their entire career in Arizona, probably won't. Like, And the only reason Brandon Webb did is because of injuries. So, really... Who is the greatest player ever to play their entire career in a D-backs uniform? Like, I don't know if it's not going to be David Peralta, if it's not going to be Nick Ahmed. The only answer is Brandon Webb. And then the drop down after Ahmed or David Peralta for who could be the fourth best player or soon to be second best player if Peralta and Nick Ahmed gets moved, the list gets really disgusting. Like, these are some players that could be in the mix for Best player after Brandon Webb if Peralta and Ahmed don't finish their career in Arizona. It could be a Yasmani Tomas. Yes, don't laugh. Seriously, Yasmani Tomas. It could be Yoan Lopez. It could be Merrill Kelly. Like, that's how bad the list is. Like, give him two more seasons. And I think Dalton Varsho could be the second best player on this list. And maybe in seven years, the best player on this list if the D-backs don't ever get rid of Dalton Varsho. So, as a fan base, you want to see a lifer. You want to have someone that you can resonate with. And the D-backs have not done a good job of doing that. Whenever you have a player like Paul Goldschmidt, don't trade him. The D-backs have always been inclined to trade those kind of guys, but it's a shame that they do. Paul Goldschmidt is someone that should be a lifer in Arizona. He's embodied everything they want. He's a high-character guy. He's a high-production guy. He's one of the best players in the sport. A future, potentially future Hall of Famer. And the D-backs said, let's get rid of this guy, even though he's in his early 30s, even though he's still one of the best players at his position, and all the fans love him. There, I don't think there was one D-backs fan that was like, let's get rid of Paul Goldschmidt. If they did, it's just because they knew the D-backs' MO. They knew the D-backs were going to trade him and not pay him. So they're like, all right, let's trade him just so we could get something in return for him. No one in their heart of hearts was like, ah, man, I don't like Paul Goldschmidt. He's not a very good player. Let's just get rid of him. Like, no one thought that. But the D-backs' front office, they have a way of always trading their homegrown stars. That's the reason why the only player who's been a lifer in a D-backs' uniform that you would consider great is someone that had to retire early because of injuries. The D-backs have two players right now on their roster who wouldn't be considered lifers because they didn't start their career in Arizona. But someone like Gallant and Keto Marte are two players that should definitely finish their career in Arizona. When they go to the Hall of Fame, you want Arizona to be the prominent thing on their plaque because right now, you look at the Hall of Fame, the greatest D-backs players ever, they got multiple teams on their plaque. Randy, John Randy Johnson's got multiple teams. Luis Gonzalez, like go up and down the list. All those players have multiple teams. So what do I want to see from the D-backs? I want to see them homegrown a guy and keep him, keep him in Arizona their whole life. Someone like Jordan Lawler. If he is the next stud, if he is the next Carlos Correa as Lindsey Crosby might predict, then that's someone that should be a lifer in Arizona because we just don't have any. When you do the D-backs ring ceremony, when you do retire jerseys, it should be because that guy spent his entire career in Arizona, at least the bulk of it, like, okay, maybe not the entire, but at least, what, 90-plus percent of their career here in AZ. Like, too many of these guys get traded when they still have so much left in the tank. If Paul Goldschmidt was 39 years old and the D-backs traded him, like, I could stomach that a little bit more. But considering... Goldschmidt was like 31 years old and still one of the best first basemen in baseball. It absolutely makes no sense. Let's stop doing our guys and our fan base dirty because 
I don't think anyone is a fan of it. And I want to see someone retire. I want to see someone start their career in Arizona and retire in Arizona. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's edition of the Locked on D-backs podcast. Come back on Wednesday for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. Of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. And I'd be doing this podcast without you, the listener. Sharing, subscribing, reviewing, it's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. And of course, as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!